You're listening to Reawaken, a podcast by the Humane Clinic. Our hosts are Humane Clinic therapists Matt Ball, Rory Ritchie, and Bernie Mayweld. Our theme music is Hope by the talented Addo Mull. Everywhere people, in every place, all of the countries and each race, need your hope. That's what this word is in need. Hope is in the water that sprouts the seed. Hope is the thing that stops you bleed. Welcome back to Reawaken Podcast. I'm here with Rory. Hi, Rory. Hello. Hello. I'm Matt. Uh, we're going to talk a bit today about why we do what we do because we had a question sent in about why do you work in mental health or what do you want to do by working in mental health? So we thought we'd talk about that today. Mm-hmm. I don't know whether you want me to ask you or you want to ask me. Um... Why do you work in this field, Matt? Uh, I've got sort of flippant, silly answers, and I've got sensible answers, and I think they're probably all true. Um, I think I went into this work 20 years ago because I was inspired by people who'd supported me, mm-hmm. and particularly a psychotherapist, Machin, and particularly uh, Teresa. And Marianne, some people that had supported me in a house, and a particularly a social worker, and then particularly the people I lived with. And but those workers were particular, with like the route in. And then 20 years later, why am I in this work? Um, I suppose I feel some sense of focus that in a world where we've all decided we have to work, I you do something and you get remunerated and that mm-hmm. pays your mortgage, et cetera, et cetera. I've got caught in believing I have to do that. And so in a kind of crude way, my career is now what I do. So I kind of want to be honest about that and say I love what I do and I'm passionate, but I, it's my job now. And that doesn't mean I don't care. Endlessly, I do. And maybe we'll talk more about that. But that's one of the things is that it's it's my work now. But it also feels like a kind of life's work. And so the other side of what I do, I, why I do what I do, maybe there's more than more. One is I'm endlessly watching the world and seeing it and thinking about it and noticing my stories in my head. And I just feel my life is better when I'm in relationship and can explore all those thoughts and ideas and stories and experiences. It feels like a richer world. And the other side of that then is that I love and value deeply being someone that can hear other people's thoughts, stories, experiences in the world. And that's just beautiful to then sort of feel like, oh, yeah, we're... Yeah, I'm just part of mine and other people's journeys. And if that's of some value to someone, then I'm pretty grateful to be to be spending the time doing that. Uh, and then there's more kind of hardcore stuff. I feel like the mental health world is personifies social injustice. And I quite like social justice work. And I... Um, I particularly like 
feeling like I can be connected with people who are completely marginalised from what the mainstream accept is reasonable behaviour because I don't struggle to accept it as reasonable behaviour. In fact, I'd say it's entirely legitimate. Um, and so, like, every day, I just think, yeah, if I have something I bring to that legitimacy of people's realities, then I'd like to keep doing that. And a bit of love. Love as humans. That's my sort of opening thoughts. Yeah. What, why do you do this work? What, what brings you to this work? Um, I've been sitting here listening to you, wishing I had a pen to make some notes because hearing you've gone, oh yeah, that's a bit of my story but in a different way and I've drunk lots of coffee in the last couple of hours and not had much food so my brain's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> so we'll see how it goes. I love stuff like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, first of all, much like you, struck on what we kind of in the society we live in, it's much easier to kind of participate and have a job so you're not living in poverty mm. or um, on somebody else's means. So first of all, for a wage is part of the story. And then if we have to work for a wage, I'd much rather do something meaningful and compassionate and human and based in relationship than many participate in many of the other industries where people earn a wage, which is selling things, buying things, ripping people off, convincing people to get into debt to buy products they don't necessarily need. Um, so if we start from a place of we have to play this game, well, this is absolutely the role I'm in now is the most whole I've felt in selling my labour for a wage. Mm -hmm. So I searched around for quite a long time, <laughs> trying out different things, even things that looked quite um, morally and humanly good, like yeah. social policy work, advocacy work for, you know, peak organisations, working in the community sector, and then realising that a lot of that stuff is just amidst the quagmire of government and bureaucracy and its funding to tick a box so the government can do what it was always going to do and all these different things. So trying out different things and realising, ah, oh, that really leaves me feeling quite meaning, meaningless at the end of the day and what's my life worth. Yeah. Um, so there's that on a personal level, just finding something that is meaningful. Um, informed by a whole host of experiences I've had in my life and those experiences helping me to feel like oh, I'm actually not too bad at being in relationship with somebody and hearing stories mm. that I know other people out in the world put, have huge judgments on or can't understand or yeah. so I feel like I'm through my upbringing and my experiences and my relationships with other people, I'm lucky enough to have this really kind of open scope of human experience and not putting my own value judgments or my own narrow worldview on somebody's experience but being open to listen to it 
Um, mm. I... While you were talking, I could talk about this for hours. Now I'm going. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm going really slow. I had all these like really fast things to say, and now I'm, in it. I'm talking really slow. Listening to you, I thought about what my best mate Josh said at my wedding, my very recent wedding. Yeah. Um, when he did his speech, mm. and he said he loves music more than anything else in the world. But since I've been in Adelaide and he's back in WA, he finds it's kind of hollow and not the same and it's difficult to do music when it's not the two of us doing it together mm. and listening to you speak I was wondering well part of the reason I do this job is you and Bernie as well because I'm not I certainly yeah. wouldn't have started doing it without you and now without the two of you and even if we were to do Humane Clinic in different parts of the world or just listening in different parts of the world I know that I'll always be in connection yeah. With you two doing it, and if that weren't the case, I wonder if it would feel the same or if I'd be able to do it in the same way, not having that relentless support and shared mission that we have through Humane Clinic. So that mm. popped up to me. I was like, ah, oh, much like mm. Josh and I don't do as much music stuff as we used to because we're not able to do it together in the same room. Yeah. I think that goes the same for the work we do. So. Yeah. It's a nice thought that I had. Yeah. Um, social work is my qualification, so also I have a bit of a passion now about doing what I actually consider social work to do, which I think only a very small fraction of the social workers in Australia actually do, right. um, which is based in challenging the status quo. Yeah actually not just paying lip service to but actually recognizing how systems and inequality and imbalances of power affect people's lives yeah and then being really skillful or trying to be really skillful at least in what we do in that space so is this a time to advocate ferociously for somebody and have a shared experience of fighting together yeah. or is that actually not what serves this person best in yeah. this moment and can we just slow down and sit together and can I be with that person hearing about what their experience of the world is and everything in between those two things. So yeah. acknowledging that that's what impacts on people's lives and then applying a whole bunch of skill in so what do I do now with that? Is it, am I best served just to be with it or can I challenge the systems and the powers that be given I have a little bit more power in this world as a professional social worker than maybe the person yeah. that I'm seeking to be with. Yeah. Um, and I think now I get to love like you. I just really love people. Growing up as a little kid, when people ask you like what your favourite colour is and what your favourite animal is, I'd yeah. always say humans were my favourite animal. Right. So I think that as well. I'm fascinated yeah. in yeah. human beings, in how we experience the world, what our brains can do. Are you even real? Mm. Am I real? We're having two different experiences yeah. of the world. When there's two people just sitting in a room together... Is there anything going on outside of the room, out of that door? Well, we don't really know. That's just a story we've told ourselves. 
Mm. So playing with what is life, what is existence yeah. and being in one-on-one relationship with somebody <sighs> seems to be a way to get more mm. deeply towards exploring that for me anyway. Mm. I'm really glad you brought that bit up at the end about that idea of wondering what it's like to be human really and doing that in relationship because it seems to be that's something humans can do. Mm. And right. You know, like I, I think with my beautiful dog, Sarabi, I, you, you really see the fact that I can't have Sarabi the dog's experience and she can't have my experience. And then we become humans together and we think, oh, I really get you, Rory. Yeah, I really know exactly what you meant. Well, I don't. Mm-hmm. So I have to be open to mm-hmm. you guiding me and me remembering I'm only having my experience of you. So as you were talking, you said you slowed down into your conversation. My mind was racing with things <laughs> I wanted to remember to say back. So I'm not having the same experience of you because you're just like schmoozed into this story. And I'm like, yeah, but I've got to remember to say that. And I've got to remember to say that. So I'm fundamentally having a different experience. And something about how do we try and stay in a relationship. Yeah. And then hearing you say that, that's what I felt like listening to you speak. So right. then all of a sudden it's like, oh, we can connect on that. And that makes me feel good good and real <laughs> yeah. for some reason it's like oh my experience in some way can connect and resonate with your experience oh all of a sudden that kind of existential fear fear starts to yeah. drop a little bit and that's quite nice Not, yeah, it's beautiful yeah feel a bit less alone so. yeah absolutely and it, and it makes me you know you also touched on us working together here i guess my i was moving on one of my questions in my head was yeah, why do I work at Humane Clinic? I mean, apart from the fact that I set it up, but why did I set it up? And I, I set it up because... And I feel like it's important to state this stuff, you know, and for... You know, maybe it's important for anyone to work in this field to know really where they stand on it, not where do they think they ought to stand in the guise of a profession or a discipline or a, a role, but where do you really stand? And And one of my things is I'm a nurse, mental health nurse by background, and... Mental health nursing's done a lot of custodian behaviour, custodial behaviour, and still does. And it's, you know, often very subservient to mm. medical practitioners. Mm. For no reason, because the guidelines tell us, the standards of conduct tell us we've got to be responsible for our own practice. So I've sort of tried to think, who inspired me in nursing, apart from the peop- one, one or two people I met, but the theorists, and who am I as a person, and what... What do those two things bring together? And they, the psychiatric diagnostic system is not something I believe in. It's obviously, it exists. There's a social construct called mental disorders. But it's, it's implausible to me that in 2023, there are still people trying to find cures for mental illness. When we haven't yet been able to demonstrate mental illness exists, it's, it's an oxymoron beyond reality for me fascinates me and I'm curious about it just as I am any other human behaviour. So I'm not saying it's, well I do think it's harmful but I'm not saying it's terrible, I'm saying it kind of intrigues me and fascinates me. But then the Humane Clinic was about saying if we don't do that stuff because we don't really believe in that stuff, what would it be like to provide a so-called mental health service? So you know the, the, the discrete science of medications is nonsense no doubt you can say how a drug works in a physiological process in the body. I'm not saying that's nonsense, but that doesn't treat mental disorders the way we predict, we talk about it. 
So, okay, so if that doesn't work and the disorders are made up, they're, they're true, but they're made up, you know. So they're a language we use to say something which, doesn't, which often causes the so a, a layer of the intersections of social injustice. So what we get to do here is say, oh, we're just not going to do that stuff. And then that leaks into the Mental Health Act. And we say, the Mental Health Act is, I would argue, breaches any reasonable perception of the human rights legislation around the world because it's founded on things that aren't true. You can't say, right, that's true, so we'll remove your rights. And we talked about this before. But that's what we get to do at Humane Clinic is to say, okay, because we're confident that it's not okay to do random things to people that oppress people, we get to do beautiful things. Which, because the only thing we've got left is to be in relationship. And that then just feels like, oh, what an amazing thing to do every day is to just sit here and hear people and allow yourself to hear yourself and try not to impose that on people, but just allow that to be present. Mm -hmm. And of course, we probably fail at it quite regularly, mm -hmm. but it feels like the three of us are working very, very hard here mm -hmm. to do that. And but the failing at it quite regularly is part of it, right? Because mm. particularly as lucky as we are to do the long-term psychotherapy we do with a lot of the people we work with, as long as we maintain a safe enough relationship, we get to try again the next yeah. week and come deeper yeah. into relationship yeah. with the person and try and do better and be better and reflect on how things have gone and yeah. all those things that go on that aren't, it's not just sitting in a room with somebody, yeah. all that stuff that we hold when we go home at night over a weekend, even if we go away on a holiday, all the kind of story, our stories of the relationship of the people we work with that we get to kind of have the great privilege to hold and try and be better therapists with yeah. so that kind of the challenge of getting really good at hearing someone and being with somebody and <laughs> noticing the patterns of their life yeah. and how that's playing out in the new relationship that we're building with them and all of these great things yeah and some of that right like being in here rather than in other systems i've worked in place i've worked in i was at just listening community on thursday and um I heard three different people on Thursday, and I, I went home buzzing, like, or four different people, and I, and three of them were unexpected visitors. Uh, one had booked in, and and I, I went away, and I just I couldn't believe when I was driving home how filled up and joyous I felt at having heard these stories, and they were big stories and distressing for the people, and I I could notice the sadness and the pain in me. But I didn't go away with all the language the system gives us about vicarious trauma and burnout and fatigue. No, I went away feeling energised at the privilege of just being with these people. And, and that's, that's the bit that gets... That's the bit that I'm excited about day in, day out. And feels, a, feels really a lot of gratitude for it. Yeah, hearing what life is really like, not walking around pretending. Yeah that that's too much for us or that doesn't happen yeah. or that's not part of the community I live in, actually getting to hear the real big experiences that people have in their lives and not being so naive to what goes on in our community is another great privilege of the work we do. Yeah. And I want to jump in and say, because it's been <laughs> ticking away in my brain, also why I do this work is my own experience of saying I've had things happen, I want some help to deal with how yeah. I'm, I'm not able to live anymore. And 
The mm. only response I'm given is appointments and people saying, well, really, you know, you're going to need medication to deal with this because there's something wrong yeah. inside of you. And luckily enough, having enough residual power in my life from things being good previously in the great upbringing, I yeah. have to say like, whoa, this, this yeah. is not going to be of any value and getting language warning, getting the fuck away from that approach. Yeah, yeah. And then going, what mm. was it in those moments in li- my life? What is it in those moments in my life that I want? Yeah, yeah. Not, it's just to be with somebody who's not taking away the last bit of power that you have in your life, which is to yeah. say what's happened. Yeah. And you mentioned it earlier. Oh, you mentioned that I love that idea of residual power left over when you're, be, when you're feeling oppressed, you're feeling overwhelmed, you're feeling unable to organise, work through, feel safe enough or whatever. And one of the things I think we can try and offer here is a sense of offering access to power by not destroying those residuals of power. So it doesn't mean we can give people power, it's not, mm-hmm. but, but we cannot destroy those final sense scents or mm. drops mm. or minutiae of power that yeah. someone still has in their life and from that they can notice where else there might be something which feels pretty beautiful i love that you got into that and got passionate about that cause it, yeah i've also had in my mind the conversation you me and bernie had once about if we weren't doing this what would we do yeah and we struggled to find something and then we decided maybe the three of us still together could open a cafe on the beach and then the more we talked about it the more it just became a just listening community and wasn't actually <laughs> yeah. a cafe at all that's yeah. not it was just like well what lie could we tell ourselves just to stay in connection with people so yeah, <laughs> also yeah, absolutely um yeah what else would we do why are we here because what else would we do this feels right even when it's difficult or we feel like we're fighting structures and systems that and as you said before it's never ever at humane clinic anyone or just listening community anyone who walks through the door that's really the beautiful easy part of our work is being in relationship challenging ourselves to be in connection with people it's the things on the outside that make it more difficult yeah to give that love yeah which is mirroring of course of the oppressions that the person that walks through the right. door is facing. Right. Uh-huh. We have more power, so it's easier. Mm. But in some ways, but, but yeah, it's mirroring the oppressions. I, just, I know we've got to stop in a second, but it's something about risk assessments really bugging me this weekend and something about whenever anyone says, oh, yeah, but, but what about if this happens? Yeah, sure, just because you're worried about it doesn't mean <laughs> it's valid to judge that you know what's going to happen next. Mm. So someone comes in and says, I'm thinking of ending my life, uh, thinking of killing someone, or, which, you know, can happen to any of it. Any single person can think those thoughts for a range of valid reasons. And the idea that, oh, I'm worried about it, so I know whether you're likely to do it or not, is absolute nonsense. But that's what we call risk assessment and based mm. all our systems on. Mm. And here, we don't have to do that. Mm. We, can, we can just stay with the person until they tell us more about what they want to do. Because they're not saying, I want to harm people, I want to end my life, 
all of me is in that. They're saying, this is what's going on and I'm thinking about in the context of things. And when, you, when we listen and when we try and stay in relationship, they tell you so many things. How, and that's the, it sounds so simple. I'm not sure I'm really getting it across, but we don't have to get ourselves caught up. So how did it come to be that the whole system operates on psychiatric risk assessment, which is getting clairvoyance confused with science? <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like a religion, isn't it? Mm, I believe this person will be in danger either to themselves or someone else. Therefore, I'm going to put in this huge range of <laughs> destructive decisions to make huge changes to this person's life just yeah. on my how I felt after lunch today yeah mm. based, based on factors that studies show have no predictive value whatsoever about what's going no. to happen no so so in the end it's based on your opinion your anxiety your fear your stories and we don't and I guess a lot of when you're talking about how do we come back and try and be better at listening by managing our own stories our own bloody stories and that's what we get to do here every day. And we don't get it right all the time, but it, it is why I do this here. Because we can, we can work in that way. We can be in that way. I've got to say as well, it's funny saying this out loud on a podcast. Because this is, this is so deeply runs the structures of our systems and our own stories. Is that even saying out loud this stuff feels rebellious because I'm a registered nurse, because I'm a psychotherapist registered with an organisation. So then it, it comes with this act of rebellion. So this is the sort of things we're having to manage mm. on a daily basis mm. so that we can push them aside, listen to them, notice them, and return to offering our, ourselves to the other person. And it's a real beautiful challenge. Mm, yeah. Is there anything you want to say to finish off? Um, just thinking... I know Matt's probably going to say, should we finish up when he finishes this thought? I was thinking about one of the great things about listening to other people's stories and getting to share our stories is we realise a whole bunch of other things that are going on in our lives or we hear things that we haven't heard before. So just bringing up the thing that Josh said at my wedding. Yeah. I'm like, oh, yeah, shit, I really, really need to play some music with Josh. Yeah. So we've had this great conversation about something else and I'm going to leave with a real mission to go like, ah, oh, I need to go and do mm. something for me and Josh that feels really good, so. Yeah, nice. Thanks for listening to me and letting me speak so I can have the experience of getting to that, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Well, that feels a nice place to stay. <laughs> Thank you so right. much for your time. Thank you. All right, see you. Everywhere people, in every place, all of the countries and each race, Need your hope, that's what this word is in need Hope is in the water that sprouts the seed Hope is the thing that stops you bleed Hope is the irie in the weed So give hope, and live hope And when your kids are hungry, feed them hope If the system bleeds you dry, have hope If the situation makes you cry, have hope Cause now it's time to dry your eyes and hope That that'll keep your dreams alive, I hope That you hope Cause everyone's future is resting on your hope Can take the worst thing and turn it around Hope can find the lost that was not to be found Hope can make the losers them start gaining ground Hope can turn your pennies right back into pounds Cause hope can be rebuilt even when it's been killed And if you believe, your hope will be fulfilled But people lie, just to raise your hope Just to make you think that they're 
wearing your coat, they're selling you eggs without no yolk. They're wearing you down until your will is broke. This ain't real hope, they don't feel hope. They real hope and deal hope and turn it into false hope. Then we give up on this world like it's a sinking boat. We let each other drown instead of flinging the rope. We're turning the place into some kind of joke. But we can't laugh, we can't lose hope in these times while they commit these crimes. Because there's nothing else out here keeping us afloat. Hope is elusive, a glint in the eye that something is exclusive, that thing they can buy. Or make excuses, they just sit and ask why Our mistakes are conclusive, hope will just die But I wouldn't lie, singing all lullaby Give hope a try, and hope gets high You'll be bereaved, but you'll also receive Have hope, can be deceived, took this car to believe And hope, don't let it leave, or ever receive Just hope, and then one day, you're going to succeed You can't live without hope, don't go without hope Don't doubt hope, will keep you warm when you're shivering with cold Young when you're tired and old Hope can make a bright man hearty and bold And hope can find the truth that has never been told Cause some people take hope and some people make hope But you are the people, you people here You're the ones that I feel are sincere You're raising my hope, will hold your hand when you feel insecure Hope will find a way through any long door Hope will give you guidance when you're feeling unsure Make a point to the wise even when there's a door so much more and so much more and so much more hope will do it all and so much more